I find that both incredibly entertaining and severely disturbing, the words that came out of our mouth. There were a few clips that horrified me. <laughs> I actually can't believe that I sing those songs in my car and I didn't even know what they were saying. It's just, I mean, it's the rhythm. It tricks us. <laughs> so you guys, we are doing this relationship series because we know that God wants to be in a relationship with you. And we know that he cares about the relationships that you're in. Do you guys know that God's plan for our relationships is perfection? And that pertains to both his relationship with us, his relationship with himself, and your relationships with other people. That's what God wants for us, is perfection. But clearly, based on this video, I think we've fallen a tad bit um, short of that standard. I want you to think about when it all started and Adam and Eve were walking around in the garden with God. Like, that's actually how it was. That's how it was meant to be, was people in community with God just walking around, hanging out, talking. And that all changed. And it changed when Satan put one single question into Eve's head. And the question was, do we know better than God? And at that very moment, everything changed. It switched from that perfect relationship that the Trinity had. Um, do you remember how Q explained it? He, he talked about how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are always lifting each other up, always glorifying each other. And then after um, Satan entered the picture and Eve ate the apple, and God came to Adam and said, what, what happened? And Adam ate it too, and he said, what happened? And, and Adam's first response was, uh, the woman that you gave me, she made me do it. So he was both bl blaming Eve and God at the same time. And God looked at Eve and she said, uh, the snake, he made me do it. So it went from pointing, like glorifying each other, to blaming each other instantly. And relationships would never be the same. And Nikki touched on um, that relationship of the Trinity, how it was just perfect and whole. And that's got to be what we strive for here with our relationships around earth. We saw the video. Some of you know Kim and Kanye's relationship. Not the greatest standard, unfortunately. No, not so we've, quite. <laughs> a little scary. Close. 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 But they just don't make the Trinity. Yeah, not quite. And so we've, we've got to strive for that. And Nikki and I, as we, were preparing, as we were preparing for this, we tried to find three things that we, we think happen in successful relationships. And those three things that we're going to kind of talk about tonight, one is glorifying God in your relationship. Two is respecting your bae. We are like 84% sure we know what bae means, but... We're going to use it like we know. We, we, yeah, we're not 100% sure. <laughs> I told Tyler I couldn't actually say it because I didn't no, really understand, so he's going to say it every time, not me. I'll say bae a lot tonight. <laughs> um, and then the last one is um, showing humility. And we put together some examples of each of these things and what they look like in real relationships. So the first one is glorifying God. Um, that means both like serving separately, like as individuals, and then serving together. Do you guys remember when Steve, you know Steve, our amazing man up in the booth, right? Hey, he waved at us. Hey, Steve, you're great. When he left us his challenge, he said, just do something. It doesn't matter if you're scared. Just do it and see what happens. Just try serving. So that's what we're talking about here, about putting the focus on God and putting your hope in God. Because it's so easy to put our hope and trust in a person instead of in God. And it's actually probably the quickest way to sabotage any relationship. 
Um, I'm going to tell you a story about this in my own life. So I've been married for almost 15 years, um, and we have a picture of my husband, Jacob. So clearly I'm married up, let's be honest. Um, good look at, <laughs> did you say it's clear? It, it did, yeah. Yep. <laughs> wow. I mean, look at him. Right. He's a beast. Um, he was like an amazing like national champion pole vaulter, um, was an alternate in the Olympics. I mean, stunningly attractive, right? So I married him and thought for sure he would uh, make me happy. Um, he would help me manage my anxiety. He would provide for me. Every minute of every day. Right. I yep. mean, that's what he did the whole time we were dating. You guys think I'm joking, but I'm pretty much serious that I really thought he would be my best friend and, and all this stuff. And so that's what I went into this relationship thinking. Like, I, I nailed it. He's, he's a keeper. And then there are days now... And um, pretty much since, like, I don't know, week two of marriage, where I look at him and this is what I see. <laughs> so this picture was taken this week. I'm not exaggerating. Jacob spilled scalding hot oil on his hand and has second-degree burns all over his hand. It looks like leprosy. <laughs> and he gave himself a black eye. He was reading like this on the couch and fell asleep, and his head fell, and his eyeball hit the glass on the corner of the couch, and he broke the glass with his own eye. So I went to bed knowing he had second-degree burns. I woke up, I said, Did you, what happened last night? He goes, what? I said, you have a black eye. He goes, are you serious? So half joking, but this is seriously how it feels after 15 years of marriage is on days when um, I'm grumpy or he's grumpy, uh, we're not being patient, we're not at all what we thought the other one would be, because the truth is no person is perfect. Jacob's close. Not really. Um, but no matter what we think we're going to get from a relationship with a person, it's not possible. No person is meant to meet all of our needs. Only Jesus can do that. And then number two, we talked about respecting your bae. He said it again. I said it all night. <laughs> um, the person that you date in high school or college is most likely statistics. Gosh, you got tough it. Word. It is. Ah, I brought it out. You can say bay, just not statistics. Most likely, <laughs> someone else's future spouse. It's just a common occurrence, and so you have to think right now about how you would want your future spouse treated while they are in high school or college. And right now, I want you to think about this thing called the butterfly effect. Nikki knew exactly what it was. I did not, because I'm not an aerospace engineer major or anything like that. So Neither am I. I just saw the movie. Has anyone seen that movie? Right? <laughs> it's a good movie. In layman's terms, it's basically the idea that a butterfly flaps its wings over in Japan and affects the atmosphere in the tiniest way in which causes a tornado here in the Midwest. It's just for the record, before you start typing your emails, it's not a biblical theory. It's not in the Bible, okay? But... It's the idea that everything affects everything. Mm -hmm. And we have no idea what the impact of the decisions we make right now actually is. You have no clue the lasting effects of what saying yes to Netflix and, trill, Netflix and chill actually will be. Almost got it out. Wow. And that's a negative one, so I thought of like a positive one. You have no idea the lasting effects of saying yes to go play some pickup football in the Unidome. That's how my wife and I actually met. She said Aww. yes to go play some pickup football. So that's a positive one. Netflix and chill, not so much, but... You nailed it that time. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> Along those lines, as you're thinking about your relationships and your future spouse, 
wouldn't it be great if a relationship could end and you weren't someone's regret? You know, you didn't, that relationship didn't end and you were like, yikes, that's bad. Mm -hmm. And you could maybe see them in the hallway and be friendly. I, that's really possible. It actually is. It's shocking. And when you're, when you're striving for this, you have to look at the little things. Something that Nikki told me when we were getting this together is a question. Are you aiming for the other person's heart? Is the other person's heart your target? And when Bay's heart is your target, you treat them differently. Think about some of your relationships. When are they most successful? Is it when you're putting the other person first or when they're putting you, you first? When their, tar their heart is your target, you make them feel special. And you will be amazed with the success of the relationship when that is happening. Third thing, something that we all, it always comes up in all aspects of life, but relationships as well, just showing humility, lifting up Bay. All right? It's not about you. At least we're not overusing it. No, uh-uh. Yeah. I'm going to use it a lot. Yeah. It shows that we're cool. <laughs> and I feel like we will 100% know what it means by the end yeah, of the night. Yeah, I think. You so if we're using it wrong, <laughs> someone tell us afterwards, okay? In private, not in front of people. Um, so it's not about you. Although it kind of is about you because you're in high school and you're kind of finding your identity, but it's also not about you. Um, if you want your relationship to be successful, you really have to check your pride at the door. Um, saying I'm sorry has to happen in a relationship for it to be sex successful. If you go find a married couple tonight and ask them if they've ever had to say sorry to their spouse, they will say yes, and they will most likely go to a deep, dark place of despair <laughs> because it stinks to say sorry. It means over and over and over and, and over and over again. It means that you failed. And when you're in that dating relationship, it means that you failed someone that you care about and someone that you probably care about more than anyone else. Um, and so saying you're sorry just has, has to happen in that relationship. Both people are going to screw up in a relationship. The moments where you own those screw-ups is when the relationship can really thrive. Just think about our relationship with Jesus. How many times today have we screwed up in that relationship? And yet that forgiveness from Jesus is always there for us when we choose to admit our sins and ask for his forgiveness. I know it doesn't always feel like in this in our world today, but trust me when I say there's lots of forgiveness in our world today. There has to be because we're a world full of sinners. So we're going to talk a little bit about our relationships now. And we all, you guys all get to choose whether you date or not. We don't get to decide that for you. Um, your parents don't get to decide that for you, although they may actually implement some rules, which we are strongly encouraging you to follow. You should listen to them. Um, that's our plug, supporting parents. Um, you're the one who gets to decide whether you date or not. It's all up to you to make this decision, um, but you need to know a couple things before you make those decisions. I want you to know that every single relationship ends one of two ways. So this is a spoiler alert. You will either break up or you will be in a lifelong committed relationship with that person. Now, unless you plan on getting married seven or eight times, the majority of people you date, you will break up with. The relationship will end. With these breakups, did you guys know that it's possible to break up and not have severe regrets? It's possible to break up with somebody and to be friends. It's possible to have future um, relationships. You might even, like, it's even possible to have a relationship and 
leave so clean that you could end up dating their friend, or this is all actually a possibility. I don't think that our world would want us to believe that. Um, but the current rate of death, the last time we checked, was right about 100%. Still there. Right? I checked before we okay. came. <laughs> yep. um, so, truthfully, every single relationship you have on earth is temporary. They all end, and either you die or the other person dies, breakups happen, and I feel like if we actually went into relationships with the reality that this is probably not going to be forever, we might make different decisions. So, I want to talk to just the girls for a second. I know, you know when we say that, that's not really the truth, so the boys are supposed to listen to this too. Still listen, yeah. I'm listening. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you a secret that I heard Dave Bartlett um, tell us a couple years ago, and I thought it was profound. So I just want to rephrase that, uh, that a 60-some-year-old man uh, gave us this profound insight that has changed how I see relationships. And this is what he said. He said, ladies, do you know um, what attracts guys to you? And he said, do you, do you want to be attractive to guys? And he said, the reason that boys are attracted to you is because they don't know everything about you. They want to. And they're drawn to you because you're a mystery. And then he went on to say, so don't give away that mystery. Don't give away too much of yourself. And that goes for emotionally, and that goes for physically. He said, you have to protect that mystery. Because the truth is, when Scooby-Doo and his gang figure out the mystery, Show's over. it's over. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that in relationships. Every too. time. Right. Dave didn't say that part. We added that part. <laughs> All right, girls, you can still listen, but this is now for boys, all right? We are wired differently than girls. Shocking, I know, all right? And it's possible or likely that some of us in the room feel no remorse with things that we have done with girls or things that we have wanted to do. And remorse is kind of a feeling word. Nikki kind of taught me that word. Just a, since guys don't really have feelings a lot of times, feel crappy. We don't feel They're, crappy, yeah. all right? <laughs> Remorse is a very fancy emotional word. Um, and do you want to know the moment when those feelings get real? It's a lot of times not when you're in high school or college. You feel no remorse. You don't feel crappy with those things. It's the day that you find someone you love and you realize, I want to spend the rest of my life with them. And then you realize that you have to sit down with them and go over your entire roster. All those desires that you satisfied during high school and college laid out in front of the person that you love most. I've had so many friends tell me about this terrible night of their lives and just how vulnerable and exposed they felt and how those feelings of remorse or crappiness just poured in. It became so real for them. I would love to protect all of you from this awful, terrible night. We just can't forget that darn butterfly effect. The decisions we make today, no matter how we feel about them today, have a lasting impact on your future and others' future. And now, girls, you can come back in. This is now for everybody. Unplug your right. ears. And Nikki and I, when we were getting this talk ready, um, we knew at this point a lot of you are thinking this. We've been in your shoes before. Um, just a couple years ago. Just a, not too long ago, ah, you know, high know. school. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and you're thinking that this, what we're saying, doesn't really apply to you. You're justifying what you're doing in your current relationship. You think somehow your situation doesn't apply to what we're saying tonight. Your situ situation is set apart from anyone, everyone else. 
And all those thoughts, what they really boil down to is this statement, I think I know better than God. And I still think this way sometimes. It's a very mature adult. I use that word mature very loosely. But um, it was just three months ago. I was in a doctor's office. Um, my wife was pregnant with our third child, and we were going to find out if it was a boy or a girl. I knew for sure it was going to be a girl. That was my plan, because we already have two boys. If I would want another boy, they're already so wild and crazy. We obviously need a girl. Nikki has told me they're super easy, right? right Those girls. So easy. I mean, easy to parent. I had this plan, and even I had instilled this in my youngest son, Dawson. He had this plan as well, because when the ultrasound tech told us it was a boy, he argued with the doctor <laughs> and told her that she was wrong and it's a girl. And I think he won the argument, but in the end, it's still a boy. Um, and in the end, my plans are flawed, and God's plan is perfect. Every time, every situation, it doesn't matter. And here comes something that I've been waiting for my whole life to say into a microphone. Here comes the statement. I'm very excited. Sex is powerful. I said it. There it is. All right. Never said that into a microphone before. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, it was a good moment. Good. In relationships. He's turning red. It's, such a, it's just a different word. I've never said it in a microphone before. In relationships. We can be tricked into thinking that a relationship is something that it's not. The physical closeness we experience has this ability to create a false sense of emotional intimacy. Again, Nikki's words. I don't know what that exactly means. but um, God created sex as a, such a powerful thing in a marriage. He didn't create this and say, this is this amazing thing, don't do it. He created it to have power in a marriage. And as powerful as it is in marriage, it's that destructive to a relationship outside of marriage. To paint a picture of this, about a year ago, I found out that our kitchen sink upstairs, um, it had a leak in it. And I found out because I went to go get the Easter eggs that are in our basement storage room, and they're in a basket, and the basket was filled with moldy water. And I was mm. like, well, where did this come from? Happy Easter. Yeah, it was not good. And I went to look at the sink, and a slow drip in the sink had caused all this damage. Now, the sink and I, I thought, had a very good relationship. Every now, when I'm every now and then when I'm washing dishes, it gets super hot and like melts off part of my flesh, gives me a little bit of a rush. You look like Jacob. Yeah, well, not that bad. Whew. But I thought we had a good relationship on the outside. Everything was working just fine. Our dishes were getting clean. And little did I know, underneath, that slow drip was ruining the floor of our kitchen underneath ruining the ceiling of our basement storage room, and then the ruining train just kept going because it ruined <laughs> Easter Sunday when the eggs were filled with moldy water. Happy hunting, children. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> Things may seem fine because of that physical closeness, what that physical closeness we experience creates in us, but we have to check our emotions. Are they real? Or are these physical experiences slowly damaging the foundation of our relationship. And you guys, um, it's not just your physical actions. It's also uh, what you think. Um, as a counselor, I work with a lot of uh, married couples, and when things like porn um, get in, into people's lives, even before marriage, it can 
derail a marriage. The effects, the butterfly effect of that one goes on and on and on. So it's not just your physical actions, but it's your thoughts too. And I also want to say, I remember sitting out there being your guys' age, and I remember hearing, you know, walking away from these talks and hearing sex is bad. And, and um, then feeling like when it came to a point in life when that was something that I was interested in, that I was bad too. And so I just want to make sure you know that's not the case. It's not a bad thing. You're made to be interested in it. And so when that happens, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not a bad person. Um, that sounded like a really bad after-school special. Sorry. And you can say it in a microphone. No one will judge you or anything <laughs> like that. So I'm judging myself right now. Okay. In the end, relationships, you can do them a couple, a couple ways. They can be whole or they can be broken. You can do it God's way or you can do it your way. Um, some of you want us to answer questions tonight, like, how far can I go? How far is too far? Well, we're not going to answer those for you because we feel like a better question for you would be, what cost are you willing to pay? Um, there's a story that I think can help you answer these questions. Um, we're going to read together. We're going to read from John chapter 8, verse 1 through 11, and um, we're going to talk about the story here. And so what I want you to pay attention to um, is the fact that God doesn't call out our sin to condemn us. I really want you to hear me say that. He doesn't call on our sin to condemn us, but he calls out our sin to restore a relationship with us. God's plans for our relationship, he has the best in mind. That's his goal. He wants us to feel whole and not broken. So we're going to read through this now. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery. They made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order that they might have a basis for accusing him. So I just want to paint a picture of what's going on. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. I want you to think in your heads what that means. And think of how vulnerable she must have looked when they brought her out after she'd been caught in the act of adultery. And they were saying to Jesus, okay, we got him trapped here because he has to follow the law of Moses. It's his own law. And he has to stone her. And then we're going to trap him because he's going to murder this woman in front of everybody. And so the story goes on. But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. And when they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this time, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Now go and leave your life of sin. So what did he do there? He somehow pulled the greatest reversal of all time. You may feel like you have done things that you can't reverse. And you're right. You can't, but Jesus can Somehow he took all the attention off this woman. Think of this vulnerable woman caught in the act, drug out in the street, and he took all the attention off her by kneeling down and drawing in the dirt with his finger. They were all pointing fingers at her, 
And in a silent act, he completely took the attention off her. People have thought about, like, what he was doing in the dirt. Did you think that? Like, was he drawing pictures? <laughs> I thought he, it was the first ever tic-tac-toe game ever played. So that's what Tyler thinks. Um, Nothing biblical there, is my opinion. <laughs> but scholars think... Not me. <laughs> ...that he might have even been writing sins of the men that brought her out, like writing their sins in front of them. But regardless of what he was doing... He took all the attention on himself. And whatever he did, whatever he wrote, it made them leave. The oldest and the wisest first. They thought they trapped him. But he came out with a shocking win-win. Because Jesus doesn't call out our sin to condemn us, but to restore us. To restore a relationship with us. And we are confident that no matter what, Jesus would say and does say the exact same thing to you. He says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And what he's saying in that is he's saying, look at what I can give you that no one else can give you. You bring me your brokenness, and I'm going to give you pardon and freedom. When we were talking about this woman, think of her day. She did not wake up expecting to encounter Jesus. She was caught committing adultery. No plan of bumping into Jesus that day. But he met her at her worst moment. His target is always our heart. So no matter what you've done, you can take it to him. And you can be absolutely amazed what he'll give you in return. Forgiveness freedom. Do you guys remember when we were doing the stories from the seats and um, we did that chain activity? He takes that all away. All the prison that we put on ourselves gone. And so that would be our hope for you guys is that you know that no matter what it is, if it's about relationships, if, about, if it's about your thoughts, whatever it is, that you take it to Jesus and he gives you something so much better. So we're going to go ahead and end in prayer, and the band's going to come back up. I just hope that, we just hope that you guys leave here knowing how much God loves you and that the plan that he has for you is perfect relationship with him and perfect relationships with each other. Let's pray. Um, God, I just thank you. I thank you for the people in this room. God, I thank you that um, I just confidently know that your target is their heart, God. Um, and I just thank you that you just keep coming and keep um, pursuing us, God, and you keep forgiving us and, um, and giving us freedom over and over, God, even when we're not seeking you. So God, can we just hear your whisper, um, that small voice, God, telling us that there's a different way um, and that, God, we can um, have whole and perfect um, relationship, God, but that comes with you. That doesn't come with anybody here on earth, God. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you that you choose broken um, and jaded and messed up people like us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.